Welcome to the Whole Self Podcast, where we talk about various mental health topics with an emphasis on the body, mind, and spirit connection. Our goal is to empower our listeners with the knowledge and tools needed to embark on their own healing journey. A gentle reminder that this podcast is not a substitute for therapy, and we encourage you to seek out your own therapy if needed. Hi, welcome to the Whole Self Podcast. I'm Sharon Wegman. And I'm Kate Byler. And today we're going to be doing part two on why parenting is triggering and validating the fact that it is triggering. (laughs) And most of the podcasts out there are talking about what you should be doing or social media is showing you what you should be doing. And we just want to validate is the most triggering job on the face of the earth. Definitely. And so, again, if you haven't listened to part one, go back and do that. Because the basis of these two are not telling you how to help your child, but how to help yourself that you will be triggered and what to do in those moments. Because a lot of the information we find is that, yes, raising children is hard. Here's some normal things children do that are hard, but we don't talk about why those hard things are triggering. Yes, and let's define what triggering means. Um, I think we have more of an emotional response to something that makes us feel very powerless or out of control. Yes, I am in the prime. I don't like to call it terrible twos, but I'm understanding why people say that (laughs) age with my toddler. And when I am triggered, it's honestly like, I experience anger that I didn't know I had. Like it's an emo- like an emotion that I didn't know was even there in me sometimes is what it feels like the trigger is. It's like anger and I feel it in my body. It's not just like, I'm frustrated today. It's whoop. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it like comes over you really fast. Yeah, so your body will tell you you're being <laughs> triggered. Yes. By the sheer fast response of, exactly. of the emotion that is big. Yes. That's what a trigger is. Yes. And again, that is normal to have, but it doesn't help when you feel like powerless in those moments, which is what we want to try to help with. Right. We, we feel powerless. We feel out of control. We feel very invalidated as a parent. Sometimes uh, there's just so many different emotions. Mm-hmm. Okay. So in our last podcast, we were just saying, hey, you are normal. You are going to be triggered, and we talked a lot about that, so if you didn't hear that, go back to that one before you listen to this one so you understand what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. But now we just want to talk about how do we calm our bodies and emotions when we are triggered in regards to our children? Yes, and so we're going to go through some of the different ages and, I guess, stages somewhat, because... What we need as parents in those moments to calm ourselves down is going to look differently because the things that are triggering us are different in each age. Absolutely. And we we provide a resource in our uh, show notes Mm -hmm. on the book that we like right now that kind of helps people understand what children go through at various stages and therefore you're mentally prepared for it because mm-hmm. i think when the next time your child moves into a different stage you're like what is happening right why why is this suddenly happening where i think um daniel siegel does a really good job with the whole brain child mm-hmm. kind of talk about okay this is normal and this is why this is happening and this is how to handle that 
Right. And for all of these ages that we go through, it's always going to help you have empathy and calmness towards your child if you're able to understand what their brain is actually capable or incapable of during those ages. Yes, absolutely. And so even with like a toddler, it's like I have to remind myself your lack of communication is very frustrating to you. I'm you don't know how to express your feelings, so you're going to whack me on the head. <laughs> right? And so knowing what their brain is not capable of yet helps me to calm myself down and so that would go for any of these ages yes definitely and um yeah so even like a young elementary school child and you ask them how they're doing they don't really have that emotional language (laughs) to answer that so I often say give them multiple choices like do you feel sad do you feel happy what Mm -hmm. you know do you are you feeling extra tired Mm -hmm. you know if you know these things, you can reduce some of your uh, powerlessness right, in exactly. the situation. So just know that's a catch-all for all of these. <laughs> all of them. <laughs> right. So let's talk about babies and how to cope um, tied to babies. Yeah. I mean, when I think of babies, I think of just the sheer like powerlessness of them crying a lot, not knowing what they need, right? Or if they're sick, that can be very triggering because you just don't know what's going on. They have no, literally no language except crying to tell you this. And so uh, the whole brain child does well that of explaining what's going on there. But how do we cope in those moments? I would say, I mean, it's okay to put your baby down. Right. Leave the situation, get some time alone, you know, as long as they're safe. Ask some, if someone's there, ask them to hold them for you, go get a moment. You know, simple things that we've talked about in our other podcasts, like breathing, you know, talking to someone about it. I mean, there's only so much you can do for a newborn. Right. And they're not going to remember this, people. <laughs> they will not remember yeah, this. You put them down in their pack <laughs> and play for 10 minutes to let them cry for, for you to collect yourself. Right. You go away from it. You go outside. You breathe. Mm-hmm. You get your, your, your whole system calmed down. Go back to our mindfulness episode. Mm-hmm. If, you want, if you don't know how to calm your mind, your body down, it's so important to understand how to breathe and bring yourself into that untriggered state. Mm-hmm. And also that it's just normal for you know, coping again, normalizing things is a great way in this stage. I think it's important to normalize. There are just times where your baby cries for no reason. <laughs> it doesn't mean you're doing something wrong. It doesn't mean you're not doing something or you're doing too much of something. Babies just cry. <laughs> right. So then we move into the next phase, which is toddler world, which <laughs> is a lot of temper tantrums. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're just trying to define already, trying to define what they want and what they don't want. And how does that fit into the family system? Right. So we, as parents, often experience that as a lot of non-compliance. Yeah. Like, you are not doing what <laughs> I told you to do. Right. So how do we handle that? I mean, obviously, again, we're validating that the child is upset. I understand you're very upset that you can't have your brother's popsicle. <laughs> I understand that. Mm-hmm. However, blah, 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 blah. Right. But the rules still apply. Mm-hmm. And so, again, always having really good boundaries in place are going to be is going to be helpful. Right. So just stating the feeling for them because they don't have abstract thought to know the feeling word. 
And also, again, I feel like this stage one through five is really helpful to talk to other moms about that maybe have been there and can validate your experience or going through a similar stage just so that you don't feel so isolated in this sense of parenting. Yes. Because I think when someone's being constantly disobedient or non-compliant, as moms, I know I can ask myself, what am I doing wrong? Like, am, is it me? <laughs> right? And that makes it hard to cope if we become kind of self-deprecating in that way without an outlet. Right. Um, I remember a story when my when my youngest was around three um, and I was trying to get her ready for either the babysitter or preschool. Mm-hmm. There was just a lot of non-compliance mm-hmm. and refusal and she just wasn't a morning person. Right. So me getting her up and out and getting her moving was not a thing. Mm-hmm. And I remember calling my husband every day after the drop-off, <laughs> just being able to say, tell me I'm, I'm okay, tell right. me. So I think I remember actually calling him and having him talk to her. That didn't work either. <laughs> but again, what I really needed in order for me to calm down was that validation, mm-hmm. that empathy, that sympathy from mm-hmm. another person. And it doesn't have to be your spouse. It can be a friend. Sometimes it's better coming from a friend right? <laughs> than a spouse. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, noncompliance. Lots yeah. of support and validation. Yeah, lots of support and validation. And I think another thing we had talked about prior to preparing for the podcast is with starting this little a schedule for them to be on, like your kids to be on. So it, it makes things a little easier. You know what to expect. You're helping your child know what to expect. And that's just a way to maybe help cope a little better so every day isn't a surprise for you or the kid. Exactly. <laughs> you will find the most anxious children who come from homes in which there isn't routine and rituals and a schedule. Mm-hmm. And so the more routine your day can be from day to day, the better it is for your child to regulate himself or herself. So there's four things that bring kids security which is the same people, the same places, the same rituals, and the same routines. So if we can work on rituals and routines and make them the same every day, you're going to bring down your child's anxiety or or their own triggering mm-hmm. because you're teaching them um, this is the ritual, this is the routine, and they're going to be more emotionally regulated. Right, exactly. So that's one through, ages one through five. Our next one is five through 12, which is when, you know, they're extremely verbal (laughs) and are able to say anything (laughs) back to us. Right, exactly. So again, once what needs to be in place is for you to have boundaries of what happens when you do this. Again, Mm -hmm. that goes back to that rituals and routines. They're going to keep pushing the limit to see what they can and cannot do. Mm-hmm. And that will continue for the rest of their lives yes. <laughs> in your home. But, but if you have, if you, you know, a regular um, boundary, like we do not allow disrespectful talk. If you can, if you do not, if you do that one more time, this is what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And when that happens... You follow through, you follow through, you follow through so that there is the ability to um, always have those rituals, routines in place. Definitely. And, and as the parent in this situation, 
again, either talking to someone you trust, whether it be a therapist or a friend, so you're not personalizing all everything your kid is doing as a reaction towards you being a bad parent or that they don't like you, right? So it's like this self-care piece where it's like kids are... I think we had talked during preparing for this podcast that the kids that push back the most and are very expressive probably feel very safe with you. Yes, we have, we have talked about and that. And so it's important to remember that as the parent and to know, okay, my kid is unleashing on me the most. I know they feel safe because they know I'm going to love them no matter what. Yes. And so getting space to maybe talk about that with a friend, how are they handling it, right? Along with all this, we want you guys to be able to implement self-care so you can be refreshed as a parent and not burnt out as a parent. Right. That is the ongoing conversation in my office. They don't ever behave that way for their dad. <laughs> they don't know. I'm like, then you must be that safer parent for them to... Um, express, mm. you know, that mm-hmm. temper tantrum. Right. Um, because they don't feel safe enough to do that. That doesn't mean that you allow whatever's happening, mm-hmm. but you certainly under, if you understand they are doing this because I'm safe, that, that'll help hopefully give you some kind of comfort there. Sure. Absolutely. Um, and then we hit the teen years and <laughs> they're just selfish. <laughs> I mean, they're selfish. Very self-centered. And that doesn't end until their brain fully develops. Yes. And that's, like, very normal. Like, your kid isn't being bad by being selfish. It's their brain is now developing their prefrontal cortex, which is developing their emotions, and now they can feel them in an abstract way. So they're very consumed with feelings and hormones, and everything is the end of the world. Everything. (laughs) And it's so important for parents because what I feel like what parents shift into during this phase is lots of guilting and shaming mm, mm-hmm. for their selfishness. Mm-hmm. And when in fact, this is how they're slowly moving away from your home. Right. Is defining self. Mm-hmm. And that's going to feel selfish to you as a parent. Mm-hmm. But if you can just normalize it, this is normal. Mm-hmm. Selfish is normal. This is the part of them moving away. Right. That's when you're going to be able to um, hopefully give yourself some type of self-validation. Right. And we always tell parents, like, it's actually extremely healthy for your teen to want to confide more in their friends than in you. Because they're just learning. They can trust their peers. They're learning who to trust. That mom and dad aren't going to always be the person I want to talk to about everything. And that's a good thing. <laughs> it is a good thing. Um, but I think this is the time of when parents are very triggered because their children don't want to tell them everything. Right, of course. And they feel left out and triggered and powerless and abandoned, you know. And and so if I can just keep validating myself that this is part of them moving away, mm-hmm. then I have to go deal with my own grief. Right. Because it's a lot of loss. Right. So do you think during this time, obviously because I haven't hit this stage yet, that this is a chance for parents to be able to like actually take some time for themselves even and like is that a sense of loss when your kid goes and bees more independent and they're not coming to you for everything sure yeah they want to they'd much rather uh 
go out with their friends all weekend, every yeah, weekend. Yeah, have and, a family dinner. Instead of that, right? <laughs> right. So, so that is the phase of life where parents really have to begin to do a lot more self-care mm, mm-hmm. and develop their own interests so that when those, parent, when those children do leave the home, right. they already have a life right. outside of their children. Yeah, their children don't equal their life. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah. Um, and, and obviously, even I, I've had this, you know, now I have adult children, but, you know, I had people tell me, oh, you still worry about your children. It's just different problems, different things for each stage, no matter how old you are. And so when they don't make the decisions you would like them to make, you mm-hmm. grieve, right? Sure. And, and how do you process that grief? Hopefully it's not discharging it onto the, your right. children, but this is for me where, where God comes into play, where mm-hmm. I'm talking to God about my grief, my loss, or, or other things, of other feelings I have because I want his comfort, his validation. I want it from other friends, but mm-hmm. I also want it from God. So what are our big, these are the things you need to do to take care of your triggers. Right. Need boundaries. Yes. Those will shift with all ages, but you still need them with all ages. Right. And as <laughs> whatever the parents are, what happens in one home, one mm. parent really needs to happen with the other parents. Mm-hmm. They they know who's the easy parent. Yeah. They don't. I'm right. Sure. And it, whatever the boundary is, they, everybody needs to know what the consequence is. Mm-hmm. Um, support. So trusted peers, if it helps to go to counseling, depending on your situation. And hopefully you have a supportive spouse. If if not, definitely you're going to really need to reach for community then and extra support. Yeah, definitely. So we you need a lot of validation mm-hmm. and comfort. So you need a support system. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and just telling other people, you know, what's happening and what what is their experience is just very validating when you hear. Oh, definitely. You have a very selfish person. Oh, I do too. <laughs> right. <laughs> Um, I remember that one of the most valuable things I did, and now it's, by the time you listen to this, it'll be summer. I had to swap kids with other, I needed to, Mm. I had other parents that I swapped with Mm -hmm. here. I take Fridays, you take Wednesdays, Mm -hmm. et cetera, et cetera. So that I had that downtime to take care of myself because it's really hard in this summer. For sure. You have 50% less time because you're constantly focused on taking care of these triggering humans these little people running your (laughs) life yeah absolutely and so not I think this is more so for moms at least from what I've experienced talking to my husband and my friends that are husbands that moms feel guilty feeling like they need a break from their kids but like why wouldn't we you know there's no shame in that so doing that kid swap gives you that break and you you know your kids are still being cared for and having fun and it's it's not damaging them (laughs) getting away getting a break is not damaging them yeah I have a lot of moms over over the years who will say to me I just feel so guilty that I'm doing what I thought I would love, and mm-hmm. it's really triggering. Mm-hmm. And I say to them, you know what? Going to work and working away f- from your triggering human people <laughs> is 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 much easier than mm-hmm. being at home with somebody uh, who is from you. <laughs> yes, who is not complying. Mm-hmm. Definitely, and so. Um, 
I always say, give me a suicidal person any day <laughs> over being triggered at yeah, home. Right. Because it's just not the same. Right. Because it's our own stuff that we're having to work with. When we're in the office, we're working with someone else's stuff. But this is like literally someone that is a little mirror of us. <laughs> right. And that's really hard. It is. It highlights a lot of, it can highlight a lot of our flaws we didn't even know were there. Um, and so it can be difficult. Also, resources like the one we linked um, in our show notes. I know I do research on certain podcasts or books that are just helpful, so don't be afraid. Or there's a lot of, there is some good stuff on social media that is informative and free. And don't be afraid to use, utilize all that stuff now that we have podcasts and books and the web. We have so much. However, as a mom, scrolling in the summer could actually make you more anxious. We know that statistically scrolling will be more anxiety and depression inducing. Mm -hmm. So I have several mother friends who completely fast it during the summer Mm -hmm. so that they can stay emotionally present and um, clear on when they are being triggered and when they need to do self-care. Right, because if you listen to our part one, there's that comparison there or even wishing you had the resources to do some of these activities that parents are doing. Maybe we just don't have the resources and support and what, what are we then saying about ourselves as a parent? So if that is something that, you can relate to probably take a break from social media for a little bit as a way to help you cope through some of this stuff okay so um we also have a podcast on um, when kids are home and the moms go crazy that gives a lot more detail to Mm -hmm. a lot of different things that we're not actually addressing Mm -hmm. as far as planning summer so if you're in summer go back to that podcast like our second one ever made i think i think it's the first the first yeah so it might (laughs) sound a little no (laughs) it was a long we've improved we didn't know what we were doing but the information is still very good (laughs) it's okay jessica we love you (laughs) Yes. <laughs> and if you love our podcast, please give us a great rating um, and subscribe to our podcast by following us. All right. Thanks so much for listening. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Have a great day. See ya. Thank you so much for listening. Any resources or links from today's episode can be found in our show notes. Original music in this episode is by Christopher Burkholder. Christopher Burkholder.